if you, let me start by saying this. Last week, I had a kind of a unique privilege. I uh, spend some of my time in the summers every, every uh, summer kind of going around a couple of times and speaking or preaching at different kind of youth camps. Part of my background has always been in youth ministry, and, and I've done some events for an organization for, oh, I don't know, about the past decade. And I try and give myself one or two opportunities this summer to go and do that. Mainly because as a, as a teacher or as a preacher, it's, uh, it challenges me to rethink how you share the gospel, right? So we get, I get used to the setting. I get used to preaching through the book of Philippians or, or talking in a, in, a, in a sort of manner. But when you are introduced to a, a room full, and this, this particular week was 600 middle school students, it challenges you to rethink how you communicate the gospel, right? We take a lot of things for granted. I take a lot of things for granted that in my church... You know, you all know my thoughts on certain things and uh, how I communicate truth and how we think about the Bible and all those kind of things. But in a, in a new setting, in a room full of new people, it challenges you to rethink those things. And when you begin to communicate with youth, especially youth in the, you know, 11, 12, and 13-year-old age or 13 range, it makes you, it really challenges how you communicate the gospel. So I love that opportunity. It always sort of pushes me as a, as a uh, kind of as a teacher. So um, I went up to Colorado, and, and there's really a couple of great things that came out of this for me and always do each summer. The first is that it's just really good to go and, and push myself to rethink and communicate truth. Plus, let's see, 100 or so kids come to know Christ, which is really exciting. But more so, it's just, God, how do I communicate truth in a really simple way to maybe some, some folks that have never heard before? So it, it pushes me, and that, that's always really good. It makes me sit down and really think about, God, how, do I, how do I take this truth, simplify it into such a way where, where a 12-year-old can grasp it and, and comprehend it. Maybe that's what I've been doing here all along for myself. I don't know. But uh, it just sort of works, so I, I love that. The second thing that was really great about that is that uh, I took the whole family, Meredith and the kids and I, and this, this actually this camp was out in Gunnison, Colorado. It was on the campus of Western State College, all these middle school kids. And actually, 20 years ago, uh, that was the exact place that I met my wife, Meredith. So we um, had this sort of cool moment where we come back 20 years later with children and feel all old and all that. And so it was... Uh, <laughs> But it was really cool. We met uh, at camp, as, as youth leaders at a camp there, and, and so long story, we got to kind of show the kids, and they got to be all grossed out and said, you know, that kind of thing. Can't believe y'all dated. What does that even mean? You know, and then I'm like, well, ask your mom. She'll tell you. You know, so we got to do all that, which is really cool. And the third thing is, is that because I've done so many of these things with these organizations over the years, I've developed a really cool network of, of friendships, uh, both people in ministry and, and youth ministers and, and youth workers kind of from all over the country. And so when, I, when we get back together, it's a, it's a really kind of great uh, moment. And uh, so that's part of, the, part of the great joy. And I had a conversation with a church planning friend of mine, a friend that's planning a church in, in Indianapolis, uh, and we got to talking about church and what we're doing here and what he's doing there. We just spent a lot of time kind of unpacking uh, just different joys and struggles. And, and it was really great because, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff that goes into what we do um, from a pastoral standpoint that is sometimes not always kind of shared because, you know, there's just burden. It's just sometimes struggling. So being able to sit with someone and say, hey, man, what are you struggling with? What are you dealing with? Spend time with is, all, is really good for, for my soul. So we got to do that. One of the conversations that we were having was about this idea of rest and renewal. And we began to talk just a little bit about things, and he was actually just telling me what he was struggling with. He was struggling with rest and renewal, and it got me thinking about it a lot. And, and I started thinking about a conversation that I had before I left uh, about two weeks ago with someone who was just basically can just coming and saying, look, I, I'm, I'm struggling, man. I am, 
I'm tired. I'm worn out. I feel like my life is going from event to event to event to event, and there is no end in sight. And I just can't seem to get rest. And if I could just grab hold of like a weekend or a vacation, then I just feel like everything would could fall back into place. And so this gentleman and I talked for a while about the scenario. And, and then as I was visiting with my friend uh, from Indianapolis, I began to realize that there was some flawed thinking in my understanding of rest and renewal and probably in most of our understanding of rest and renewal. And so I thought what we do this morning is, is because we're in the middle of the summer and because the summer is supposed to sort of be about rest, I thought we'd take a look at what Jesus says about rest and renewal because I, I deeply believe that it's, it's not about physical breaks. It's not about doing less. It's not about having time. It's not about a few more hours of sleep at night. But, re- but rest is first and foremost spiritual. Most of us don't know how to find it, don't know how to approach it, and we're looking at all the wrong places. And we wonder why our lives just feel like we're going from event to event to event. And I think Jesus has an invitation for us that will sort of change the way that we think about rest and renewal, and that we will find it in a different place if we start looking in the right area. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to open to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to unpack some things in these three short verses. And we're just going to look at three short verses this morning because I think that there is just so much in there that Jesus is inviting us to be a part of um, that uh, we'll kind of unpack. So if you find find yourself in Matthew chapter 11, we're going to be in verse 28 is where we'll start. And we'll just go down through uh, the end of that chapter, three verses. And we'll talk about rest from the standpoint of the sort of spiritual side of rest, because I think most of us, including myself, look in, uh, in all the wrong places for the absolute wrong kind of rest, and then we wonder why we don't find it. So let's take a moment, let's pray, and then we'll dive in that together, and, and we'll unpack a few things that I think this text is teaching us this morning. So let's pray. Lord, I am uh, I'm grateful to be back here. Lord, while I love being able to teach middle school students, I don't really love teaching middle school students. So uh, it is, uh, it's just so nice to be back here with, with our friends and, and the community here and, and be in worship here and, and have Dawn and the team lead us. And just, and I love this environment. I love what you're doing here. I love this church. And uh, Lord, I know that you have so much in store for us and uh, exciting things ahead. And uh, Lord, I, I do pray that this morning you would, you would teach us. Um, Lord, you've certainly, over the past month or so, taught me, and this is just sort of a reflection of, of some of those things. And Lord, most of us kind of deal with this. We deal with the struggle of, of, of burden and of, of, of kind of a restlessness, God. Whether we're in school or going from thing to thing to thing, or whether we just feel like we're driving our kids around from one event to another, whether we feel like our, our, our burden is emotional, Lord, it just feels like... Sometimes it's so hard to get ahead, um, and Lord, we seem to be chasing something that doesn't really even exist, and so I pray this morning that as we open your word, as we listen to the words of Jesus, God, it would, you would change our perspective on the idea of rest, and you would, you would really challenge us to look at it from a spiritual perspective. Take just a moment in your own heart, just as you sit there, I invite you just to pray, just to ask God to teach you something this morning, something new, um, something fresh, just to, to speak directly to your soul. You just whisper those things to the Lord. Lord, teach me something new or something fresh. Just speak to my soul. Just, just whisper that prayer in your heart. Take a moment and pray for someone beside you. We do this each week as a reminder of being in the habit of praying for other people. Pray for someone uh, that's sitting beside you, even if you don't know them. Just pray that uh, God would move in their life this morning. Lord, we love you. 
we turn this morning over to you. We turn the word over to you. We ask you to teach our hearts and our souls. Um, and we ask this in the, in the risen name of our Savior and our Redeemer. Uh, amen. So rest is a really interesting idea because I think that the more conversations I have with people about the idea, the more I find out that most of us are really in pursuit of it. Whether we're in, in college or, or whether we're in grad school and you know, we're just waiting to get through our first year, or our second year, or our third year, or our fourth year, thinking that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Or a lot of us feel that way about our careers and jobs. I'm on a project track, and if I can just get to the end of this project, then there's going to be a little bit of a reprieve or a little bit of a break. Or if we can just make it to the end of June, you know, then, then there's going to be a little bit of a break. Or if I can just get these three days behind me, then, then I'll be able to breathe. Or if we can just get the kids out of school, or if we can just get the kids out of baseball, we can just get whatever it is. And it just seems like it's one thing or another. And if you're anything like, like like me, you wake up and it's the same thing as soon as you get to that other place. It's just something else. I mean, it's June 30th. June is gone. If you're waiting for June to end, we're here. And so I think it's one of those things where rest is, is, is really misdefined for the fir- in, the, in the first place. We, we misdefine it. And, and two, we don't understand really what it means. And so we're in pursuit of something that we can't grasp. And so it just seems like we're constantly chasing and so after these conversations, I really began to say, well, you know, Jesus, what do you tell us about rest? I mean, my natural inclination is to always sort of go back and say, God, what do you say in your word about what rest really is? And, and does it simply mean having a weekend off and laying by the pool and grabbing a book or, or just taking a little vacation or getting out of town or doing whatever? Is that really what rest is? Or is that just a temporary break that has a temporary end until I find myself kind of locked out in the next stressful moments. And so I, I look at this section of the book of Matthew, and we're coming in the heel of, heels of a really long sort of teaching that Jesus has. It's sort of a long kind of uh, recorded discourse where Jesus is teaching on everything from John the Baptist to um, basically his own power as the Son of God and how to kind of live in a redemptive heart. He teaches all these things, and it gets to the very end of this sort of really intense teaching, and he lays out these verses about about true spiritual rest. And so there's three verses, but there's about five things buried in there I want you to pay attention to this morning that I think um, might shine some light or shed some light on, uh, on really this concept and why most of us can't find um, rest in the first place. So this is what Jesus says at the end of all that teaching in verse 28. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, most of us may be familiar with these verses. Maybe we've heard them before. Maybe you've, uh, you've been a part of those or maybe you've used them in your life. But it's very comforting to hear. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is what Jesus is speaking to the lives of all those people um, that are hearing him. Now, I, I think that most of us as Christians find comfort in these words, but we really don't know what to do with them. So what does it really mean to come to Jesus and find rest for our soul? I mean, how do I live in that? And, and, and that, does that really take away all the activities and all the things? I mean, it sounds nice on paper, but what does that really mean? And so I, I really kind of poured through these verses, and, and I think there's five things in here that if I could pull out for you and, and, and for me and explore a little bit, I think would change the way that we think about, about rest and the think way we think about renewal and the way we think about kind of um, our souls being refreshed, if you will. And the first of those things is that Jesus is the one that invites. So Jesus' words are, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. 
Now, if you've been here at all over the past, oh, I don't know, however long we've been meeting, you've probably heard me say this before. Jesus is the one that invites. God is the one who initiates relationship with creation. You can trace it all through scripture, from Abraham to Moses to the calling of the disciples to to Jesus' invitation to Peter to come out of the boat and walk on the water. You remember all those things? God is the one who initiates relationship with creation. It's God who invites. Now, it's kind of an important theological concept, and I hit on it often, but, but I don't want you to miss it, because a lot of times we are the ones that feel like we have to pursue things. So if I'm going to find rest, if I'm going to recover, if I'm going to get a break, it's going to be because I've got to pursue it, I've got to chase it, I've got to get myself there. And if I'm going to find rest for my soul and not just rest for my body, then it's something that I've got to do. And oftentimes we try and pursue spiritual answers. God, I'm going to pursue you and I'm going to chase you and I'm going to, I'm going to look for my uh, answers to my deep questions. And, and we, a lot of these things begin with the movements from us to God. But the reality is when we read scripture is that, that we can never find ourselves any closer to the Lord. All right, No amount of praying, no amount of reading your Bible, no amount of going to church is going to ever get you any closer to God. God reveals himself to us. That's the only way we know his character is that God takes initiation with us. There's a verse that happens right before that where Jesus says this. He says, um, he says, all things, verse 27, have been committed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and knows who the Son chooses to reveal him. What Jesus is saying is that all these things that I've taught you, you can't discover on your own. It's because God has chosen to reveal them through me, and I am choosing to reveal them to you, meaning that God does the revelation and the work. And a lot of us are in pursuit of things. God, show me. God, do. And and we are chasing, and we're trying to discover, and we're trying to discover, and we're trying to discover. And the truth is, God is the one that takes initiation and invites. Now, Now, I want you to hang on to that for a second, because it is important. God is the one that invites. All through Scripture, we see that. A lot of us put all this kind of pressure on ourselves to find answers, um, to fix our life, to answer all of our deep theological questions about who God is. And so we seek and we seek and we seek. And, and, and we fail to realize that it's God who reveals because we're seeking answers and not seeking the giver of truth, right? We're not seeking God. We're seeking things about God or things from God. And God says, no, 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 I want you to know me. And I, I'm the one who reveals me. Now, now, Jesus invites, and that's really important to know. And he invites two groups of people really in this, in this sort of section. He invites the weary and he invites the burden, all right? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I started really looking at these two words. And I don't know that most of us maybe publicly wouldn't say that these are words that describe us, right? But maybe if we, you know, kind of were alone or in our own hearts, we might use those words at times. Maybe not all the time, but certainly weary and burdened. And, and they mean really two different things. Right? The idea of weary carries with it a physical connotation. Um, I'm just tired. I'm worn out. I am, I'm pressed, and, and I feel like I'm going from activity to activity. I'm studying late. I'm working hard. Maybe you're working two jobs. Maybe you're working 14 hours at one job. Maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe you just feel like your life is never really able to catch up to its own breath, right? So it's just like a, a constant running, and you just feel weary. And you find yourself thinking, if I could just get a nap, or if I could just sleep a few more hours, or if I could just take a weekend off. And, and it's got a physical connotation to it, right? And I think at some point in time we've all been there. Maybe you're not there now, but, or, or, may, or maybe you are, but, but that idea of weary carries with it a physical sort of note to it. The burden, the idea of burdened is, uh, is a little bit different. It, it carries with it the, under, the kind of idea of being weary physically, but, but really more about carrying a, a heavy burden emotionally. So... 
And I think this is where a lot of us probably dwell more than anything, is that we've got a lot going on inside of our hearts and our lives that we don't share with the outside world, right? There's a lot of things. It feels like there's maybe a 50-pound sack of rocks around your heart. We are burdened with, maybe it's, it's marriage struggles, uh, maybe they're ethical struggles at work, maybe they are you know, sin struggles, uh, maybe they're relational struggles, maybe they're just whatever, but it's just emotional burden. Maybe you're worried about your children, things they're engaged in, things they're doing. Maybe you're worried about a sick parent. Maybe you're caring for one of your parents at home. I mean, there's any number of things. God, you and the Lord know what, what those things are, but the idea of being um, burdened is an emotional baggage that you carry around in your heart. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, physically worn out, and those who are emotionally worn out. Um, he's inviting us into his presence. And he says, and I will give you rest. So the first thing I want you to understand is that, is that it's Jesus who invites, right? So we're not going to find answers seeking rest on our own. We've got to understand that Jesus is inviting us. And the question really is, is, what is he inviting us into? So Jesus invites, but it's also Jesus who gives rest. So Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I don't know about you, but rest is usually something that I pursue, and I, and I give myself little incentives. Maybe you do, too. If I can just kind of get through these projects, then I'll have a few days off. Or if I can just get here, we'll take a, a weekend break and, and those kind of things. Or I can get through these three days, and then we'll have a, this. Or, and three days lead to three days, lead to three days, lead to three days. And we're constantly kind of laying goals or incentives out before ourselves to reward ourselves with rest. I will give myself a break. I'll take a night off, I'll take a whatever off, or we'll go do this, or I won't think about it for this. And so we give ourselves rest. And that rest doesn't seem to last. There's a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with this gentleman, was that rest is only temporary, right? It's just a break. It doesn't actually renew. It just kind of gives me a breathing. And then when I get back, I, I actually have to say, man, all that work piled up and no one did it while I was gone. And so now there's just more to do. And a lot of times we need vacations from our vacations because we come back tired, worn out, drugged through the mud, just because we're looking for rest in all the wrong places. And mainly this is because we've misdefined it. We have, we have not defined rest correctly. We think that rest is somehow reprieve from activities, a reprieve from things that we're engaged and involved in. But, but rest in the Bible is a very different picture, and only Jesus can give it. So come to me, all you're worried and burdened, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. In other words, you're not going to find it. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to discover it. You're not going to give it to yourself. You're not going to renew your own self. But Jesus says, when you come to me, when you hear my invitation, which is inviting you to come with your weary and burdened heart, and you you come to me, you, you hear my voice, I, Jesus, will give you what you're looking for. I will give you rest. Now, I think most of us as believers would, would easily say, yeah, I know that Jesus gives rest. I mean, I believe that with all my heart, but, but most of us don't live that way, right? We just, we don't live like we believe it. We still believe that we have to supply it and seek it and find it and reward ourselves for it because we don't really know what it means to actually accept the invitation of Christ to come and find rest. And what we're going to learn is for our souls. So it's Jesus who invites. It's Jesus who gives rest. The third thing that's buried in there is this, that rest means submission. Now, this is not something that most of us would equate with rest at all, that rest means submission. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, come, come to me, all you rebirth, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
You know, the idea of, of a yoke is an idea of submission. And it was really used in two categories by Jewish people. The first was like you might think. It was a, a tool, a physical tool of submission that was made, handcrafted and made to put on the, the neck of an oxen or an ox and, uh, and to make that oxen basically do whatever it is that you wanted to do. And the way it would work is that uh, a guy that owned an ox or owned some kind of cattle would go into a carpenter shop, which Jesus, working probably as a carpenter most of his life, would have been very familiar with, would take this, this ox or this cattle in, and he would have it fitted. And the carpenter would, would take some wood, and he'd, he'd measure, and he'd do all these things. And then he'd handcraft this big wooden yoke. And basically, it was just something that went around the neck. And it had to fit perfectly. And then that ox, after the carpenter would make it, they'd bring that ox or the cattle back in and they'd shape it perfectly to go around its neck so that there was no rubbing or no pulling. And, and, and that yoke would fit perfectly. And then you could put some, some reins behind it and you could drive that, uh, that cattle or that ox with, a, uh, with ropes and you could put a plow behind it. You could do all those things. And so it was, it was used as a tool of submission. I can take a giant animal. Right? It's got a lot of power and a lot of weight, and I can put this thing on its neck, and I can actually, in a very comfortable way, make it do things or have it do things that I need it to do. Right? So that idea of submission, it was a physical tool of submission. And when done correctly, it was not a burden on the animal. When done incorrectly, it was weighty and heavy, and the animal wouldn't do anything. That's the kind of the obvious. But the other way the Jewish people used the idea of a yoke was in a, in a teacher-slash-student or a rabbi-slash-student relationship. And what would happen is if, if you found someone that you wanted to learn under, right, you would take the teaching yoke of that teacher upon you. It was a, it was a term that they would use. And so if, if I was going to go around and follow a certain teacher, I would submit myself to their yoke of teaching, basically saying, I am going to learn from you. All right. So when Jesus is, is using this phrase, when he says, take my yoke upon you, he's talking about submission. He's saying, submit to me, right, and learn from me, which is really interesting because most of us don't equi- uh, uh, kind of attach the idea of rest with an idea of submission, right? Most of us would say that, hey, I, I don't find rest because I'm not committed to Christ. But what I'm telling you Jesus is saying is that most of us can't find rest because we're not submitted to Christ. And there's a huge difference between being committed and being submitted. I can very much be committed to the Christian faith and committed to my relationship with Christ with sort of an outward um, kind of uh, me-driven personality, right? I can commit my life to not doing those things or to engaging in this or to be a part of that because commitment takes discipline and maybe you're a disciplined person and so you can just sort of commit to something. But submission is very different. Most of us are not submitted to Christ at all. We're submitted to things that we want to be submitted to when it comes to following Jesus, but not all of it. It's like we take pieces of Bible text and we like to cram them into our already existing lives to make us feel better about the things that we're doing. But the things that we don't like that Scripture says we pretend aren't there, right? I mean, that's just sort of how we live because living in submission to Jesus, saying, Jesus, whatever you have for me, whatever you desire for me, whatever that means, I want to be a part of that. Right? I want to submit my will, my control, my ideas, my thoughts, my life to you. Right? The idea of being committed means, Jesus, I take all of my things and I commit them to you. In other words, I give them and my power and my things, my energy to you. So what I have to offer, I will offer to you. It's all about me. Submission says, I have nothing to offer. Right? I will do whatever it is that you want to do. And Jesus says, take my yoke, right? both teaching and that sort of physical picture of, of a yoke, and learn from me. This idea of rest is not one of 
sitting around by the pool and doing nothing. This idea of rest comes from the place of saying, Jesus, I want I want to learn to live like you do. I want to so submit my desires and my desire for control and my desire for life and my desire for power and my desire for respect and my desire for all these things, all of my life, and I want to submit them to you and learn from you. In other words, I want to live like you do. I want to actually know you in such a way that my life is, is moved by the way that you live, moved by the way that you loved, moved by the way that you cared for people. I want to be driven by that because I give my life to you and I'm learning how to live like you live. Now, if you're anything like me, these things don't sound too much like they go with rest. They sound like just more learning, more studying, more getting to know the sort of the things of God. Well, it's because we've, we've, we've got a terrible definition of rest. We think that rest means doing nothing. We think that rest means kind of letting go of, of the activities that we're involved in and just like zoning out for a while. But that doesn't make anything, it doesn't change anything. It just makes things kind of prolong to another place. See, because what Jesus is talking about is talking about rest for the deepest recesses of our soul, which is where most of our problems lie in the first place. Your problems don't lie that you do too much. They're not in the fact that you have too many activities. They lie in the fact that you are carrying the wrong burden, right? And that you're yoked with the yoke of the world, as I'll show you in just a minute. So Jesus says, it's Jesus who invites. It's me who, I'm inviting you into a relationship with me, right? It's Jesus who gives rest. We're not going to find it on our own. And, and that rest is spiritual in nature. And rest means submission. It means submission. Part of our giant struggle is that we won't submit our lives to Christ, and we wonder why we can't find rest for our souls. If you're here for the very first time, um, and maybe you've never given your life to Christ, maybe you've you've put all kinds of things in your your world to try and make yourself feel at peace, right? Um, Stuff and things and whatever, 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 whatever. We'll never find true rest for your soul without Christ. And the reality is, as a believer, that same, that same thing is true. Some of the most weary and burdened people I know are followers of Christ, right? Because they've yet to really submit their whole hearts to the Lord. And so Jesus says, everything I have, my financial world, my relational world, my work world, they're all yours. Everything I have is yours. And I submit it to you. Take it and teach me. All right? So, so we've got those three things. The fourth thing is that... that The rest is spiritual. So Jesus says, when you take my yoke upon you and you learn from me, you will find rest for your soul. Now, this is kind of what I've been talking about all along. It's just sort of the bigger point, which is rest is first and foremost spiritual. It's spiritual. It means if you're looking for a weekend to kind of freshen your heart and your soul, it's not going to happen. It may give you a temporary reprieve, but the same burdens are going to come back and sneak back up into your life a week or two weeks or months later because those things don't go away because we're addressing symptoms of a problem that's different than the real problem that we have. And the real problem that we have is that we've got a spiritual brokenness in our life that can only be addressed by submitting our hearts totally and completely to Jesus. Rest is first and foremost spiritual. And if you're not willing to take sort of an understanding and and accept the invitation of Christ to renew your spiritual heart, your spiritual self, then you're just chasing the wind. You're just chasing the wind. Rest is, it's an illusion. True rest is spiritual in nature. And Jesus says that when you you see my invitation, when you realize that I'm the one that gives rest, when you take my yoke upon you and you learn from me, I, Jesus, will give you rest for your soul. Now, as I was talking to my friend in Indianapolis, we were talking about rest and renewal. And we were talking all around this idea. But as I look at these verses these past few days, this is what I long for. And I don't know about you, I long for rest for my soul. Like, 
I can find rest for my body if I have to for a few days, but that's not really what's restless. What's restless is my heart, my soul. And if most of us are honest, that's where our lack of rest comes from. It's where our lack of peace comes from. It's where our lack of joy comes from. It's because we've filled our life with all these other things. And we're wondering why. We're wondering why we feel restless. Well, rest is first and foremost spiritual. And the fifth thing that's kind of buried in there, and I'll kind of wrap it up with this, is uh, this idea right here, which is when you take my yoke upon you, right? For I'm gentle and humble in heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Most of us are walking around with the wrong yoke. If you are feeling weary and burdened and tired, if you're feeling like life is activity after activity, thing after thing, financial pressure after financial pressure, it's because we've put the yoke of the world around our neck. It doesn't fit right. Jesus says that his yoke is easy. Now, most of us don't think this because we actually read the Bible and think that following Christ is, is, a, is a challenging, difficult task. We read verses like, come after me, you know, or we read verses like, take up your cross daily and follow me. And we think about the burden that the Christian life is. The burden to, to live uh, morally perfect or ethically perfect or, or maritally perfect or whatever it is. And we see those things as giant and burdensome, right? Uh, we, we look at those things and we think about persecution, we think about struggle, and we think about hurt, and we see part of our picture of the Christian life is, is struggle. Well, the reality is, is that's not just part of the Christian life, it's just part of life. Life is full of distractions and struggles and temptations. But when we follow Christ, what Jesus tells us is that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if you're living in a place where you feel like life is struggle, life is hard, life is burdened, I can promise you that you've yoked yourself with not the things of Christ, but with the things of the world. It means you're worried about the wrong things, you're engaged in the wrong things, you're dealing with the wrong things, and you're looking for rest in all the wrong places. And we've allowed a yoke that wasn't created for you to be draped around your neck, and it's heavy. See, when we yoke ourselves with Christ, when we, we find true spiritual rest in Him, the issues don't go away. Right? The, the activities don't go away. The work projects don't go away. The ish, things in your life won't just disappear, but their burden does. Because when we're living in a relationship submitted to Christ, we have a different perspective on all of those things. And Jesus' yoke is easy. People always come to me and say, you know, Trip, how do I, I just need to, to renew. How do I renew? How do I, I find new kind of life for my heart? I need to get rid of some things. I need to cut some things out. First thing I always tell them is, don't go cutting things out of your life. Don't start there. That doesn't do anything. It just makes you have less things that you'll be burdened with. The reality is you'll still be burdened. Before you go start cutting all these things out, we've got to ask ourselves, what am I carrying around in terms of a yoke? Have I submitted myself to the yoke of Christ? Or is God trying to teach me something and remind me something and call me to a life that truly follows Him? Because when we're yoked with Christ, his, bur- his, his yoke is easy, our burden is light. All those things have different meanings now. They're not so much burdens as they are joys and opportunities and perspectives. Everything boils down to the spiritual nature of what it means to find true rest. So this morning, I, I don't really know what you're dealing with. Um, I mean, I know what some of you are dealing with. We've talked, some of us have talked. But I don't, I don't know what all, all of us are dealing with. I, I don't know... The struggles that you have, the fears that you have, the difficulties you have, the needs that you have, the hurts that you have, the whatever. But I know that they're there, right? Because we've all got them. The question is, are you allowing those things to become the burden of your soul, right? Or have you been able to submit your whole heart to Christ and find true spiritual rest? Quit looking for a vacation. Quit looking for a break. 
quit looking for time, quit looking for things. Instead say, Jesus, have I submitted myself to you? You've invited me. You give rest. You call me to submit to you because I'll find rest for my soul. And I want my yoke to be yours. Rest is first and foremost spiritual. If you're not submitted to Christ, you're just not going to find it. No vacation in the world will ease the pain of your heart if you haven't given your life completely and totally to Jesus. So what is God really teaching you and showing you about rest? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and 